Good evening, IndyCar Nation, and welcome to the pilot episode of Push to Pass Podcast. I am Derek Vance. Uh, for people that uh, may be tuning in and going, wait a minute, I've seen him somewhere before. Yes, uh, I am the founder and writer of Indie News, uh, which I'm sure that you've seen on on both uh, Facebook and uh, and Twitter. Uh, well, maybe not as much Twitter, uh, but uh, on Facebook, I've uh, been covering IndyCar here for the last couple years. Uh, actually, this is the uh, second uh, full-time season being able to cover uh, IndyCar. Absolutely love it. Um, I've also brought on uh, this year, uh, Carrie Donovan uh, has written a lot of articles uh, that you see about uh, the 2022 season up on uh, IndyNews.org. Uh, uh, so uh, absolutely thank her for that. Uh, but yes, um, I started out working, or not working rather, uh, but doing high school football play-by-play, uh, -play, uh, which uh, has now turned over to uh, politics. I do do a show uh, Monday through Friday, uh, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., called the uh, Common Sense Show. You can find that over at the uh, Patriot Soapbox uh, News Network on uh, DLive, on uh, Rumble, and then a multitude of other uh, platforms. Uh, but I've been doing that since 2017. And now, uh, like I said, the last couple years, um, I have now dabbled into uh, IndyCar being from uh, in well living in Indianapolis um you know how can you not love uh, IndyCar obviously just went through the uh, month of May uh, which culminated to the Indianapolis 500 uh, we'll talk about that here as the show unfolds uh, but yes this is the pilot episode so episode number 1 uh, as you see down on uh, scrolling uh, down below your screen there. Uh, this is the Push to Pass podcast, episode one. Uh, we're we're going to talk about tonight uh, in this episode, about an hour or so. Uh, we're going to recap uh, what took place this past weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the uh, greatest spectacle in racing, which was the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Um, also, too, joining me on this show uh, will be uh, Indianapolis uh, radio favorite uh, Tony Donahue. Uh, he's going to join us. He's going to talk about uh, the projects he has going on, and then also uh, we'll uh, we'll recap the uh, Indianapolis 500, like I said, and then we will preview the Chevrolet uh, Detroit Grand Prix uh, that is going to take place there for the last time in Belle Isle Park, Michigan. Uh, next year, that race will be the uh, downtown, or will be in uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, so he'll be joining us here in, in the next few minutes. And then uh, towards the bottom hat, bottom hour of the show, uh, maybe around 9.45-ish, uh, we're going to have uh, Mike uh, Reva uh, join us from Bet IndyCar. I know the, the lines uh, for this week's race have just been out about the hour and a half, uh, two hours ago. Uh, he's going to discuss uh, the betting lines this weekend. And then also, too, we'll take a look at uh, fantasy because I know uh, IndyCar does do um, does do uh, a fantasy league there at uh, IndyCar.com. Uh, so definitely go and check that out. And uh, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Rivera of Bet IndyCar is going to uh, be joining us. 
uh, to discuss everything in the world of betting. So uh, I need to step aside here real quick, and I will be right back, and we'll get into uh, the uh, recapping, uh, the greatest spectacle in racing, the 106th Indianapolis 500-mile race. All right. Uh, sorry about that. Still trying to get over a cold that uh, I've had. <laughs> it seems like for the past uh, two weeks or so. So still have a little bit of a uh, cough uh, from that. But uh, let's get into, uh, of course, like I said, uh, recapping the 106th version of the greatest spectacle in racing, which was the Indianapolis 500 mile race. And what a uh, what a race. Uh, what a race indeed that we had. Uh, first time winner, uh, Marcus Erickson, number the Husky Chocolate uh, Honda number eight uh, from Chip Canassi Racing uh, was uh, was your winner. Um, it wasn't the most dominant car uh, all day. Uh, credit to uh, credit to Marcus, he did keep his nose clean. Uh, obviously, if you were tuning in to the race, uh, it was uh, Scott Dixon. Uh, had the quickest car where he got the speed from uh, right before qualifying uh, is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll never know. Uh, but uh, Dixie uh, was dominant, um, led majority of the race also too, which I'm sure uh, Tony will point out when he joins me here in the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, Dixon, uh, the lap, I, I believe the, the he led the most amount of laps and the amount that he did lead, and, and I don't have the accurate figure, in front of me, uh, puts him in uh, all-time leader, la laps le leader, all-time laps leader. Try that uh, here at uh, IMS at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So, uh, again, like I said, Marcus Erickson uh, did win the 106 running of the Indianapolis 500, which was presented by uh, GameBridge in a wild, absolute wild uh, scramble uh, late after a red flag uh, this past Sunday with a uh, one-car wreck. Uh, uh, the wreck was caused by rookie uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, toward late towards the end of the race. Um, the uh, track officials decided to red flag it um, so the fans could get a clean, uh, clean finish. Uh, so after the red flag and after all the cars were fired up, you had a green-white checker. And uh, Marcus Erickson, again, coming out on top, earning his first career victory and, like I said, the greatest spectacle in racing. Uh, Marcus Erickson, keep in mind, is a, a Swede, uh, the last Swede uh, to uh, to win uh, the Indianapolis 500, if you remember, was back in 1999, uh, Kenny Brack. And uh, we'll talk more about that here uh, as well. But, again, like I said, uh, Marcus Erickson won under caution in the number eight uh, Husky Chocolate uh, Chip Canassi Racing Honda. Uh, after uh, Sage Karam uh, crashed coming into turn two on the final lap. And uh, Erickson made the comment uh, after that uh, when he seen the yellow come out uh, due to Sage Karam's uh, wreck on the last lap, he thought that uh, uh, due to the caution flag, he'd have more laps to run. Uh, but uh, instead, uh, it turned out that uh, the, the the last lap would be obviously the one that uh, Erickson wanted to lead. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, before uh, before the last lap accident with Sage Karam, uh, we had a great uh, one-two uh, race between uh, uh, Marcus Erickson and uh, Errol McLaren driver Pato Award 
uh, who were locked in a fantastic duel, uh, to uh, to say the least, uh, going in to, for the lead uh, into that uh, restart with two laps to go after uh, uh, the red flag was uh, handed out by the uh, track officials. Uh, Erickson, uh, to his credit, uh, was doing everything he could, basically snaking around the uh, two and a half mile oval uh, out at uh, at IMS uh, to try to hold off uh, Pato Award. Uh, so, some fact or not, uh, not some facts, but uh, Award ended up he did end up second in the race, obviously, in his number five, uh, Arrow McLaren SP Chevrolet, which was his best finish of the Indianapolis 500 in uh, three career starts. Uh, some quotes from uh, from Erickson after the race on Sunday. Uh, he said that, uh, quote, I knew the Husky chocolate car was fast enough, but it was still hard, Erickson said. I had to do everything there at the end to keep him, Pato Award, behind me. I cannot believe it. I am so happy. So uh, getting back to, uh, as I said, uh, Kenny Brack, if you remember, uh, Erickson did come from the Formula One uh, family where uh, he was uh, not as successful as uh, as he was hoping to be. Uh, but uh, like I said, Erickson became the second Swede uh, to win the Indianapolis 500, again, joining uh, 1999 winner uh, Kenny Brack. So uh, kudos to uh, kudos to uh, to Erickson for that. I knew I forgot to turn my phone off. Um, Erickson and, uh, and Kenny Brack, surprisingly, uh, were able to speak uh, via the uh, the video conference that they have on Zoom uh, following the uh, race, the post-race uh, press conference. And obviously, uh, Erickson's best finish uh, in the previous uh, Indianapolis 500s uh, was 11th last year. Uh, with the uh, win on Sunday in the greatest spectacle in racing, uh, team owner Chip Canassi, uh, since 2012, uh, has his... Uh, Sorry, uh, his he he got his first his he got his uh, fifth his first victory in the greatest spectacle in racing since 2012, as uh, his fifth as a solo owner and sixth win overall. So obviously, congratulations goes out to uh, to Chip Canassi as well. Uh, also, too, with Erickson's win in a double points race as the Indianapolis 500 was, uh, Erickson takes the lead currently in the NTT IndyCar Series uh, point standings uh, with his third career victory. Uh, his first career victory came about one year ago uh, to uh, to this weekend uh, where Erickson picked up a win in, uh, in, in Detroit, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And then uh, he went on uh, last year as well, late in the season, uh, to win at Nashville in, in August in, uh, in what was a uh, heck of a ride uh, for him to that victory. Um, so, a uh, 2013 Indianapolis winner Tony Kanan uh, finished third. Who uh, he basically his uh, his whole demeanor in the last couple laps was basically going going for broke. Uh, so to say, he finished third in the in the number one uh, American Legion Chip Canassi Racing Honda. So yes, uh, Chip Canassi did finish uh, num- uh, first and third. Uh, in uh, on Sunday, so what a way for uh, Chip Ganassi uh, in, in their month of May. Uh, also, too, uh, as the Ganassi team finished a dominant month of May, like I said, uh, putting two cars in the top three. Uh, Kanan also recorded uh, the his fifth 
top three finish of his uh, illustrious IndyCar career. Uh, coming in fourth was the other uh, Arrow McLaren car, uh, Felix Rosenquist, who placed uh, fourth, obviously, in the number seven uh, Arrow McLaren SP. As uh, kudos to uh, to Arrow McLaren, Zach Brown and company, uh, placing two cars. Uh, in the top four. Uh, some other people that had notable uh, finishes as well. Uh, Alexander Rossi, who uh, made some news this week, and I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here uh, momentarily. Uh, the winner of the, if you remember, the 100th uh, Indianapolis 500 in 2016, uh, he rounded out the top five in his number 27 uh, Napa Auto Parts Auto Nash or Auto Nation, excuse me, uh, Honda after starting seventh. Uh, 2001 or 2021 rather uh, winner Elio Castroneves, uh, who was driving for his, which would be a rec, a new record fifth uh, Indianapolis 500, uh, finished seventh after starting way in the back, uh, 27th in his number six Auto Nation Sirius XM uh, Honda, uh, gaining the most positions from start to finish in the race. Uh, getting back to Erickson's win, uh, Erickson, like I said, who started uh, fifth in the race, uh, took the lead for good on lap 190 when, like I said, uh, Indianapolis 500 rookie uh, Jimmy Johnson made his final pit stop out of the sequence with uh, with with the uh, with the race leaders. Uh, Erickson uh, beat uh, Pato Award out of his pit stall and uh, appeared on uh, on to Easy Street, so to say. Uh, to getting his face put on the board Warner trophy, but who would have known that the race would end the way it did uh, over the last next few laps uh, Pato award to his credit did chip away uh, polling within 2.7 seconds. Uh, but uh, Erickson still just had too dominant of a car. Uh, some more quotes here from uh, Marcus Erickson after the race. I couldn't believe it. Erickson said of the red flag, you can never take anything for granted, and obviously there were still laps to go. And I was praying so hard it was not it was not going to be another yellow, but I knew there was going to be one. It was hard to refocus, but I knew the car was amazing, and and he's definitely, uh, definitely right into that. Uh, as the race resumed again, back on lap one ninety nine, that's when Erickson uh, pulled a move from. One Dario Franchitti, who he had a amazing conversation with the night before, uh, snaking left and right on the front and back straightaways of the track to try to break uh, awards uh, momentum and and take the air of out of his car. All right, uh, and then heading toward the white flag, that's when Erickson drove dove rather. Uh, toward the pit entrance and then back to the center of the of the racetrack trying again uh, as hard as he could to break away from award uh, on that final lap the gap between the two uh, was a a small gap of 0.45 seconds uh, to uh, to the flag stand with one lap to go uh, Pato tried one last ditched effort uh, to try to pass uh, Marcus Erickson on the outside going into turn one, uh, but Award thought better of it because uh, Award said after the after the race uh, that if he would have stayed on the accelerator uh, going into turn one, um, he would have probably found himself uh, in the wall. 
uh, some more quotes from Erickson here. Um, I was not going to pull him, put him into the wall, but he had to work hard to get around me there. I knew I could hold my line referring to the last lap going into one. Uh, I was going to go flat. He was going to have to go too wide through turn one to get there. I knew if I went on the inside of one, I could keep my foot down. I was hoping I could keep my foot down. That was the plan. And, and obviously, obviously, uh, it, uh, it it worked. So uh, just getting uh, you know some more here uh, while we wait on our first guest uh, to uh, to join us. But uh, let's see. Um, here it is. Get down, getting down to the day. Uh, Scott Dixon had uh, NTT uh, P1 award winner and six-time uh, NTT IndyCar Series champion. Uh, Scott Dixon appeared to be the driver to beat, like I said earlier, uh, as he led a race-high 95 laps. And uh, as I mentioned, he became the all-time lap leader in Indianapolis 500 history with over 600 laps, 665 uh, to be exact. He surpasses the record of 644 uh, by legendary four-time winner of the race, uh, Al Unser Jr. Uh, but uh, Dixon uh, had to uh, had to go through the uh, the pits for a, a speeding penalty um, that coming on lap 175. And, and believe it or not, the uh, the the penalty that uh, that Dixon had to serve, uh, he was coming in the pits. He 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 locked up the brakes, uh, and he got clocked one mile an hour over one mile an hour over the uh, speed limit. They're coming in, uh, coming in the pits. So that is what caused Dixon to have his, uh, his penalty there. Uh, some quotes from, from Dixon. It's heartbreaking to be honest. Uh, Dixon said, I came into the pit and had to lock the rears and kind of locked all for you. Somebody had to lock the rear brakes. I knew it was going to be close. I think it was a mile an hour over or something just frustrating and then he placed all of the the blame there uh, on himself, saying, I just messed up. So that is your look um, from my perspective, my point of view. Uh, just waiting for uh, uh, Tony Donahue to step in and uh, and then we will uh, we'll get uh, his perspective um, on on what he's seen on Sunday. And then we'll talk, uh, we'll talk the, uh, the Detroit race uh, as well. Uh, speaking of, uh, of that Detroit race, like I said, the next uh, NTT IndyCar series race is uh, obviously uh, this coming weekend. Um, kicking off Friday uh, practice starts at uh, first practice session uh, starts Friday at three 30. Uh, and then uh, the race will be on Sunday, June fifth, at the Raceway at Belle Isles Park uh, in Detroit. Uh, if you need, if you want to catch the broadcast, uh, it'll be live on USA and the IndyCar Radio Network, uh, starting at, uh, at 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 three p.m. So, again, keep in mind too, like I said, with the uh, race at uh, Belle Isle Park this weekend, this will be the last time. Uh, that the uh, the Detroit race uh, will be at uh, at Bell Park or Bell Island Park rather, uh, because it was announced uh, I believe November of 2021 uh, that uh, this, the the road course or street course street circuit uh, of Detroit is going to be moved to downtown 
uh, Detroit for the 2023 uh, IndyCar season. So definitely something something worth watching there as well. So uh, Tony Donahue should be uh, should be joining us uh, here shortly. Uh, just got a, a message from him, uh, maybe a, a communications snafu uh, to uh, to say the least. So. Uh, hopefully uh, he'll be joining us and he will uh, he'll give us his take like i said on the uh, on the Indianapolis 500 uh, recap there and then also too we'll uh, we'll preview uh, the uh, race this coming sunday there in uh, uh, in detroit so uh, i do see that uh, uh, tony has joined us uh, tony uh, welcome to the podcast uh, i was just telling the audience there i think we had a little bit of uh communications snafu uh but uh thank you for um taking a little bit of time out of your busy to uh to join us yeah. and uh you know before we get into uh recapping what was an amazing race on sunday uh tell us a little bit about yourself uh yeah man thanks for having me on here let me step outside real quick uh yeah just a really exciting month of may we just had and looking forward to this upcoming weekend um about myself i worked at the fan for about 10 years here in indy and have always loved indycar and decided to uh move on and uh, find some other episodes. now we've launched burnout sports and burnoutsports.com talking a, a lot of racing so um you know you you probably feel the same way about this, Derek. It's it's like we go to the track every day, and and, and we're so involved in, in what's going on with the with the Indianapolis 500, and then Memorial Day rolls around, or that Tuesday rolls around, and this whole week has been filled with uh, that post race depression. of a month and a hell of a 106 running of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, who would have thought uh, going into Sunday that uh, we would get a finish that we did. Um, I, I think for, you know, after the first set of qualifying, uh, you know, we were all looking around at each other going, where the hell did Scott Dixon get all the speed from? And he obviously had the, the dominant car, uh, but it seems like year in and year out uh, for Dixon, something just jumps up and bites him. And who would have thought, you know, coming into the pits for the last time on Sunday, uh, he, we, we see him lock the rear brakes up. And he's one mile an hour over. I mean, it just adds to the uh, bad luck that Dixon has had uh, out at uh, at IMS. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. You you kind of think Mario Andretti, right? Guy who has won championships in numerous races, but only had one Indianapolis 500 win. Um, I usually don't pick Dixon to win the 500, and I usually don't pick the pole sitter to win the Indianapolis 500. So two years in a row, I kind of faded him. Uh, but as we got deeper and deeper in that race, I was going, okay, he's right there. He's right there. He's right there. And then right when I was thinking, okay, this last pit stop, he's going to be fine. He's going to have a chance to win this thing. Um, it goes wrong. And one mile an hour over, um, you know, you, you, you feel gutted for him, right? This is a guy that has put his heart and soul into his IndyCar career, dating back to the IRL days in 2003 and before that in CART. Um, you know, this is a guy that, that loves this sport. He's never, he's never went away from Chip Ganassi racing, right? He's been loyal. And I will always say this about Dixon. I think he's a heck of a talent. He's one of my favorite guys in the paddock. But, but again, the craziest stat about Scott Dixon and his dominance and how he's been able to perform is the fact that he only has one Indy 500. 
and a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, one Indy 500, that's more than 762 other guys have or, or whatever it is and how hard it is to win this race once. But when you race for 20 years at the level Scott Dixon has, you would think uh, that he would have more than that. But again, with just one Indianapolis 500, I was absolutely gutted for that nine car. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's, it's amazing. Uh, the, the stats there that you just uh, rattled off that as accomplished as Scott Dixon is, you know, if it's uh, IndyCar, cart, whatnot, that he only has one Indianapolis 500 victory. And it, the way it looked on Sunday for, for Chip Ganassi, I mean, you had Alex Pillow, who, who I, I think he was the odds on favorite uh, to win. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that he learned a lot last year coming in second behind uh, Elio Castroneves. But, uh, you know, Polo makes one mistake and it kind of puts him behind the eight ball. Give him credit. I, he, he raced his way back into the top 10. And then you had again right after that, you had Dixon do what uh, what Dixon did. You know, who would have thought Chip Canassi would have not only had a race winner, uh, but had another car. Uh, Tony Canon, who basically went went for broke on the last lap, finished third as well. Yeah, I thought Kanan had a really impressive day. You know, last year in, in, in pretty much the same ride, he qualified inside that top nine, but faded. Uh, and this year, Kanan was right there. And, you know, he like he, like he said in the, in, when, when they talked to him during the red flag, it was, I'm going for broke. I've got nothing to lose. Um, you know, tough luck for Polo. I, I don't know if there's anything can be changed as far as that commitment line, which isn't really a commitment line. It's, it's just a, a level of marking on the track. So um you know two seconds later or two seconds earlier and maybe we're talking about polo and victory circle but you know i've called him mr consistent for a long time now marcus erickson and i knew that he was going to be there at the end of the day and you know i talked to a couple people on saturday doing interviews and i said here's the deal marcus erickson is going to be consistent and he's going to be right there and somebody that starts in the top nine, maybe two people are going to have something affected on pit road. Every year, Derek, we see it where uh, somebody's in contention to win this race and something goes wrong on pit road. You know, Ed Carpenter last year comes to mind on that first pit stop. He had to see cycled all the way back in the field, had to charge all the way up for that fifth place position. But but yeah, like you said, I was very impressed by what Tony Kanan did um, in, in, in what may have been his last Indianapolis 500, more than likely not. Um, but but. But, you know, he's thinking this is this could be my you, know, you don't get a lot of chances to win this race. And if anybody can tell you that it's Kanan, obviously winning in 2013 was close in 07, has had great cars over his 20 years at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, and we got a chance. Okay, you got to go for it. We saw Pato Award go for it on the last lap. Um, didn't quite make the move. He had a big lift going into one, which is interesting to me um, to know why he, he lifted. Because uh, I, I think when you go for that move, you're going for broke, right? To win the 500, you don't want to lift. But yeah, Marcus Erickson getting it done was 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 huge, and and like you said, yeah, Ganassi had what three guys in the top ten, but Dixon absolutely hosed, and then Johnson bringing out that yellow flag that ended up bringing out the red flag. You know, as a fan, you're sitting there thinking, I think Johnson just won the 500 for his teammate Marcus Erickson, right? Like this thing is not going to finish under green. The yellows it seemed like took two to three laps more than usual to get the track cleaned up throughout the day. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait, they could still red flag this thing. They didn't do it in 2020 on lap 196, but they did it this year on lap 194. I love the move. I thought it was fine. I'm glad at the end uh, it, it didn't screw over Marcus Erickson, who's a deserving champion. But but IndyCar and NBC are going to do everything they can to make sure that that race finishes under green flag conditions 
in the biggest race of the world. And uh, it ended up finishing under yellow anyway with the Sage Karam incident. But, but the red flag, I thought, was the right call at the time. Yeah, and everybody in the media center um, agreed as well because, you know, obviously getting fans back for the first time at full capacity for a couple of years, I think you'd be doing them a, a total disservice uh, by ending the the race uh, they would the way they would have ended it. So, yeah, I have absolutely no uh, no objections uh, with the uh, with, with the red flag as well. And, and we talk about uh, Alex Pillow and uh, uh, he, he he is so young. Um, he learned a lot. But uh, when it's all said and done, um, I, I've talked to a few people and he's going to get himself a 500 uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, same way with Pato Award. And, and you, 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 you spoke about why he lifted into one. Um, mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, listening to him afterwards, uh, he thought he would end up in the wall if he didn't lift. So did he learn something there? Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we give credit to Kana- uh, Chip Ganassi for finishing one and one and three. Well, let's not forget. Uh, Errol McLaren, who made some news this week. We'll, we'll get on that here momentarily. Uh, but you had uh, Pato Award finishing second. And and don't forget about uh, Felix Rosenquist uh, finishing fourth as well. So, you know, kudos, obviously, to Chip Canassi being the, the winning owner. Uh, but Zach Brown and the guys over at uh, Errol McLaren, uh, they kind of cleaned up as well. Yeah, they had Montoya, what, finish 11th as well. And, you know, I talked to Jay Query before the race, and we always talk about Who's 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 a driver or two that is going to start towards the back and you're not going to hear from all day, but all of a sudden at the end of the day, he's going to be inside of the top ten or top twelve, and it's usually Hildebrand or Montoya. Montoya did the same thing last year, um, and it's funny because after the race, he said, "Well, we pretty much sucked all month," and he ended up what eleven. So, a uh, big day for Aaron McLaren on Sunday. You know, they've won races with Pato Award. There's been all these rumors going around that Rossi's joining the team, which, as mentioned, became official today. Um, you know, and then what's going to happen next for Felix Rosenquist. But Felix, I thought, had a really good month. The results at the Grand Prix are not going to show how good of a car he had, especially in the rain. They were right up there. Um, you know, it, that was kind of a survive and advance type race. And, 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 and for Felix, he's always been a guy that's qualified well, but hasn't been able to back that up with results on the track. And he was there all day. He didn't, he didn't, put, a, he didn't put a wheel wrong on Sunday. Finishes fourth, his his best finish at the 500 by far. A guy that hasn't really shown much on ovals. You know, a lot of these guys come over from Europe and, and and Erickson as well. It's just it's crazy to think that I believe four out of the last six Indianapolis 500 winners all have Formula One experience. Have came over here from Formula One careers. You think about Montoya back in 15. Yeah, he won in 2000, but then went to Formula One. Rossi comes to the rookie in 16 with Formula One experience and. A guy who really didn't do much in Formula One, had a few starts, uh, never really challenged for a podium. Takuma Sato. People forget that Sato had a Formula One career before he came over to Indy. He obviously has two 500 victories in 17 and 20. Then Marcus Erickson, a guy that came from Formula One, um, went to Aero McLaren when it was more so the Aero, Sam Schmidt, Peterson Motorsports. He didn't really do much. I mean, this guy was in the wall. He was in the wall to 500. And he goes to Chip Ganassi Racing with that Husky chocolate backing. And, you know, the last couple of years for him, we've really seen how great of a driver he is winning at Detroit last year, winning at Nashville after basically flying through the air on lap seven last year at Nashville. Come back to win that race was huge. Um, and the thing about this win for Marcus Erickson is, 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 Derek, you know, you and I follow this every week. We know how talented he is. But to the casual fan, this really shows – how good Marcus Erickson really is. 
And you've seen this with a lot of guys. Sada was one of them. You know, Rossi even, as we mentioned. Once these guys went on an oval, that confidence. Simon Pagino, another perfect example, a guy with a road racing background. And once he got an oval win, it was like, all right, he's got these things figured out. And and, and he's contending week in and week out. So um was was really cool to see Marcus Erickson uh, get the victory on Sunday. And then... Um, equally as fun was kind of seeing his final, you know, his next 48 hours where he's at the banquet and he's moving around and now he's in New York city and he's back and now, Oh, Hey, by the way, it's Thursday and we'll give you some rest, but you got to go race this weekend in Detroit. Yeah. I, I can honestly say I, I don't envy uh, his, uh, his, his schedule the past 48 hours. Uh, like you said, because I'm one that needs to needs a lot of sleep and I can't imagine <laughs> the lack of sleep that, uh, that Marcus is getting, but you touched on uh, arrow McLaren, um, huge news really the whole month uh, wow. as a whole, Tony. If you look at it first, uh, they uh, announced the contract extension with Pato Award. They got done. Uh, you see how much they're investing in a new facility uh, in central Indiana. And then just like you said today, uh, making the announcement, uh, it'll be uh, uh, formal uh, tomorrow uh, at Detroit that uh, in uh, Alexander Rossi uh, coming on as uh, in, in the stable in 2023. And you said, you know, uh, what happens now with Felix Rosenquist? Uh, to me, and again, I know you've covered this more, a little bit more than I have, but if Errol McLaren is giving a contract extension to Pato Award, they're putting money into a facility here in, in, in central Indiana, who's to say that they don't come out in 2023 with a stable of Rosenquist, Ward, and Rossi? Yeah, that's the big question, right? That's another domino left to fall is, is what to do with Felix Rosenquist. The team likes Felix, um, but but I think that they're a team, too, that wants to have the results that, Andr- that Andretti, Penske, Ganassi. You know, you talk about the top three in IndyCar. I will say this, though, you know, with that facility, and you're right, you, you would think that you could go three cars, but will it be Felix? Can they go get a guy like Renus VK, who is an up-and-coming talent, has proved that he can win, has proven that... He can qualify well at Indy. He still has a lot to learn, obviously, finishing 33rd on Sunday on how to finish 500 miles and keep that car up front. Uh, but 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 don't leave this out of the question, Derek, that Felix Rosenquist could move over to Formula E, which is a series that Aero McLaren is going to enter next year. There's a lot of money in Formula E. It's not as competitive. It's not IndyCar. But we've seen guys like Oliver Askew go over and be able to make a really good living um over the last couple of years in formula e uh, an exciting series if you watch it it doesn't have the sound you know as as you would come to grow to expect in in a racing series but don't be surprised if maybe they do poach renus vk away i i know there was a rumor today about alex Pelot going over to arrow mclaren but but if i'm alex Pelot, i'm fresh off a championship i finished second in the 500 last year i should have could have had a really good chance on Sunday to win the 500. I qualified up front. I was leading the points heading into the month of May. I'm not leaving Chip Ganassi because, yeah, Dixon is still the number one top dog there, right? But Dixon only has two to three years tops left before he at least hangs it up for full-time competition. Uh, so if I'm Alex Pillow, I don't go and chase uh, a little bit more money to stay to, to go to Aero McLaren. I'm staying where I'm at uh, at Chip Ganassi Racing. But as you mentioned, you know, there's a reason why Rossi jumped ship. He he wasn't happy with Andretti, and he was offered a boat ton of money 
Uh, and there's not a lot of drivers in this sport that are paid drivers, right? There's not a lot of guys that are, yeah, they're all making money, right? And it's a lot of it has to do with sponsorship. But there's only a certain few that are actually getting paid off of their driving talent. And now Alexander Rossi is one of those. And and I just think there's a huge competitive nature inside of that Aero McLaren garage to where all the drivers are competing against each other. Uh, you know, they, they kind of run a Formula One operation. And Pato Award, that was a lot for him to learn. You know, coming out of St. Pete this year, he was incredibly pissed off that – he needed to share some things with his teammate and kind of the communication was very formula one cutthroat type. Uh, and, and, and he's not a guy that's going to tell you what's wrong with the car. I mean, it's, it's literally almost like cold trickle in days of thunder. Like I just know how to drive the car. I don't know anything else about the setup. I'll let you know how it feels and adjust it to my driving because I'm not going to adjust my driving, but yeah, good to see Pato get that um, new contract earlier this month. Uh, we'll see what Rossi does over there, and then we'll see uh, how the dominoes fall for Felix Rosenquist. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely spot on with Pelo, and, and I did hear uh, a whisper about uh, Pelo going to Arrow McLaren. But it, you know, you got at some point, Alex is going to make a business decision, and I think that business decision, the best for him, in my opinion, is like you said, stay with with Chip Ganassi. Uh, you're going to be the one that's going to be carrying the banner into the future. Uh, for uh, for that race team, uh, because like you said, Dixon only has a few years left, and it's you know him and Erickson. So uh, Pelo is going to be the up and comer in in that stable. I, I think it's best for him, and I think we're both in agreement there that he stays uh, right with uh, with Chip Ganassi. And uh, but speaking of someone else that moved, um, you know uh, Rossi's uh, car was uh, given up yesterday. Uh, with uh, the announcement of Kyle Kirkwood, uh, one year uh, in AJ Foyt uh, Enterprises. Uh, now, next year, 2023, he's going to be the new driver of uh, the 27 uh, Napa. Or, and actually, it's AutoNation. Sorry, they didn't have Napa on there. Uh, it was surprised to see Kirkwood, again, only being one year uh, in uh, within AJ Foyt Enterprises, already jumping to, uh, to Andretti. Yeah, this was kind of a rental, right, for, for A.J. Foyt and a team that thought, okay, well, we can get a hell of a talented driver for one year that'll maybe help our cause, maybe help our team that's been down. Derek, I don't think A.J. Foyt Racing has a top 10 over the last five seasons. So, okay, we'll take this kid for one year, maybe get a different, fresh perspective on the team. Um, Kyle Kirkwood has an immense amount of talent. We've we've kind of already seen that. And my concern in this, this year was he doesn't have the car – underneath him to fit his talent and now he will at andretti autosport um goes back kind of home after running indy lights there for the last two seasons i'm looking forward to see what kirk can do it looks like napa's going to go over to mclaren with alexander rossi um so so that kind of shows the backing there that they'll have with him but i'm excited to see what kyle kirkwood could do um we, we, but we did kind of know this was going to happen, right? There was just there's not enough seats and devlin de francesco is the guy that brought a lot of money to the table and was a guy that has kind of been groomed for for this spot for that ride with with the Steinbrenner family, and with Andretti Autosport. Um, but yeah, so so a couple of dominoes have already fallen so far. Um, but but real quick, Derek, you know, you go back. If I were to pull you aside, let's say the start of 2021, and I said over the next, let's call it 15, 16 months, Chip Ganassi is going to win the IndyCar Championship. And Chip Ganassi is going to win the Indianapolis 500. And I told you that neither of those would be won by Scott Dixon. You'd probably call me crazy. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, uh, you're, you're absolutely right that I would have said, I'll, I, I will bet the farm 
mm -hmm. you are absolutely wrong. And uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on there. So uh, it will be, uh, I have to give credit to Andretti though. They have gotten younger. You look mm -hmm. at that with, with Devlin, Deef, Francesca, and then with uh, Kyle Kirkwood and, and Colton Herta, his future could be up in the air. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of him jumping into another series as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, finish, obviously, 2022 and what the offseason uh, brings. Uh, last thing, uh, Tony, uh, before I let you go, we do have a race this weekend. Uh, and the last time, it'll be uh, Belle Isle in Michigan before they go to uh, the streets of uh, downtown Detroit where they're going to have to be uh, making sure they don't get shot at, dodging bullets, not cars. Uh, but you want to give a little bit of preview uh, to uh, to that? Yeah, I like Belle Isle. I've been there before. It's it's it is it's that it's also in a bad part of town, and it's just it's just it's 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 a little weird getting there. I don't know if you've ever been there, Derek. Like the credential and ticketing office is like a mile down the road from the track. You've got to walk over a really long bridge. Um, but but this is probably one of the most demanding courses on the track or on the circuit because you've got so many tight turns, so many braking zones. Um, the apex going into one there after you take the green flag at full speed, a quick right, a quick left, and then around the loop. Uh, it, it's a very tough track. And in, in Detroit, they have crappy, crappy winners. And this is a street circuit that 345 days out of the year is driven over by different cars and snow plows. So, you know, there might be a bump somewhere that there wasn't a bump last year. There might be a crack in the road that in, 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 a, in these cars so low to the ground with the downforce levels that they run. Uh, you know, that that could catch a guy out and, and put him in the wall. And, and, and this track is so unforgiving because it's so tight, uh, you know, down along the riverfront you've got that long straightaway that has a little bit of a bend to it that a quick power, right? It's a very difficult track. Um, and Marcus Erickson has been great here. Uh, he won his first career race a year ago. Obviously it's not a double header. Like it has been in the last couple of years. Usually the Indy 500, there's, there's a bit of a hangover come Detroit. I think the average finish over the last 12 races for the Indianapolis 500 champion at Detroit is eighth. Um, but this is a weekend where, you know, I was kind of looking back at the month of May and, and, and who had a good month overall. There really wasn't a lot of guys that had a good month overall. Marcus Erickson had the best month overall. He wins the 500 fourth and the Grand Prix qualifies fifth. Colton Herta wins the Grand Prix, had an absolute crap Indianapolis 500. Alex Pillow had a crap Grand Prix, didn't really have a good finish in the 500 despite finishing inside of the top 10. Uh, Dixon, I wouldn't call that a good month. Ray Hollerman Lanigan Racing bad month. Renus VK, not a very good month. Connor Daly actually had a good month, finishing fourth and sixth. I mean, literally, if you were to tell me who are the best two drivers coming out of the month of May, I'd be hard-pressed to say, to not say Marcus Erickson or Connor Daly. I mean, this is the best that we've seen Connor perform, so we'll see if he can carry that over. But, but overall, I mean, there was everybody besides those two drivers either had a good 500 and a bad Grand Prix, I mean, even Pato Award with that spin under yellow. I mean, he was in contention for a podium in the Grand Prix, spins under yellow. Uh, same with Felix. Felix is right there at the Grand Prix. Things went south for him. So um, there wasn't a guy outside of Erickson and Connor Daly that could say, yeah, you know what, I'm satisfied at, at both results uh, over the two races in May. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Connor does uh, do well historically uh, at Detroit. And uh, in the next segment, I have next guest coming on. We'll talk uh, fantasy. But one of my dark horses uh, was you just mentioned uh, Marcus Erickson. 
Yeah. Uh, so it is going to be interesting to see the, the lack of sleep uh, he's going to get. Uh, will that uh, hurt his performance uh, yeah. this weekend in uh, in Detroit? Uh, Tony, I know you have, again, a side project you're working on getting launched. Uh, tell everybody about that and then where they can follow you at on social media. Yeah, TonyDND.com, or excuse me, TonyDND on Twitter, BurnoutSports.com. Uh, I think a dark horse this week will be Graham Rahal. Uh, he's been great there. Obviously, he has two wins. Had a good run there in the two races last year. Uh, I think Santino Ferrucci is a guy that I just interviewed on my podcast this week um, about being a super sub again, fill, filling in for Colin Mylot. I think he's going to have a good finish uh, for Homecoast Hollinger Racing, who has proven that uh, you know they're the little team that could with the one car operation. They've proved that 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 they can contend for top twelves with Colin Mylot, and I think Santino Ferrucci will be right there as well. So tell Mike in the next segment, hello. He is my counterpart on the Burnout Bets show. Uh, we'll have one coming your way uh, in the next 24 or so hours. So make sure you tell Mike down in Florida I said hello. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, uh, Tony, if we don't run into each other uh, before then, I think we're going to uh, cross pass, I believe, uh, Nashville in uh, in August. Sounds good to me, Derek. Anytime you need me on, just shoot me a text. Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, Tony, huge thank you uh, for being the first guest here on uh, Push to Pass podcast, and uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, look forward to having you back on. Appreciate it, Derek. Take care, man. Enjoy the race this weekend. Yeah, you too. And that was Tony Donahue. Go check his stuff out. Uh, everything that he is doing, uh, huge, huge um, IndyCar guy. Uh, so go uh, go check him out, and uh, you know, learn a thing or two. Uh, as uh, Tony just said, our next guest is here joining us. Uh, spoke with this gentleman, actually just made acquaintances uh, with him uh, last night as I was putting this uh, this show together. Uh, but uh, Mike from uh, uh, Bet IndyCar is joining us. Uh, Mike, first and foremost, uh, let me uh, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule uh, to join us uh, for people that don't follow you on Twitter or are unfamiliar uh, with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. I uh, appreciate you uh, having me on. You hear me. All right. Everything good on that end. Cool. Uh, as, as we, as we say, you are five by five. All right, buddy. Uh, yeah, man. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm always game to talk uh, IndyCar um, and betting uh, IndyCar and fantasy sports as well. Um, uh, I'm probably, you know, I'm an IndyCar fan, IndyCar lifelong fan. Uh, I started, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much into, uh, the sports betting space. I have a lot of background, uh, in betting sports for a long time. And obviously, uh, the two things intermerge and I've been trying to, you know, do my part to kind of grow the sport of IndyCar, you know, through the betting, the sports raging industry. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, I started this little thing on Twitter a couple of years ago. Uh, it's been growing, um, uh, obviously now you can, you can see, I, as, as, uh, I just heard Tony talk about my buddy there, uh, we do a show on burnout bets that's been kind of taken off recently. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, grow the sport and try to educate people, um, to, to how to bet any car, how to make a little money and how to look at it from, uh, the sports gambling side of things, you know, sports gambling is blowing up across the country. Uh, I've been, uh, a long time kind of, Proponent of it, uh, I think IndyCar, you know, unfortunately, I wish IndyCar uh, would do a little bit more uh, when it comes to sports betting. And uh, I was, you know, it was really exciting in the month of May. You saw uh, IMS partner with Caesars. Uh, that was, I thought, a huge step. Um, I'm really hoping uh, IndyCar uh, partners with a sports book here and also partners with some of the fantasy 
uh, your DraftKings of the world, your FanDuel's of the world. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm a, I've been a lifelong IndyCar fan. I went to my first race at one years old, the Grand Prix of Miami. Uh, and I think I've been attending races uh, ever since. And, uh, you know, probably betting on IndyCar before anybody knew how to bet on IndyCar. So I've been doing that for a while as well. Yeah, definitely seen uh, the month of May with the IMS now uh, partnering, as you said, with uh, uh, w- with Caesars. And, and I think at, at, with IndyCar and any other sport that uh, you can bet on, uh, it's a lot more exciting and a lot more enjoyable, enjoyable uh, when you have a little skin uh, uh, skin in the game. Uh, I know uh, as of last night, uh, I know you had you didn't have the uh, the lines out, uh, but uh, I guess those were released by uh, uh, DraftKings there within the last couple hours. I know you've been able to stew over those a little bit. Uh, for people that do like to put a little skin in the game uh, this weekend in Detroit, uh, who are some of the people that uh, when, I, when I sent you those lines? Uh, what some of the drivers that jumped out at you right away? Yeah, there are a couple. And, and before I get to that, just to kind of let people who don't know how any car betting works, um, the you know, we still have a long way to go uh, to meet uh, what we see in F1 and NASCAR betting. But the way any car betting works is sports books will usually release the lines uh, like they did today, a couple days before the race, maybe even a day before the race. You get your pre-qualifying lines. Um, and then as soon as practices and qualifying happen, sports books pull the lines down. Uh, and then they'll put new lines out probably usually the morning of the race or late uh, late night on in this case would be Saturday for a Sunday race. Uh, and those are going to be the lines based on how they qualified. So the name of the game when any car re- uh, or excuse me, when the sports books release their odds here is uh, is try to find value. You know, try to find guys you think are going to qualify up top uh, and are going to go from a bigger number uh, betting line down to a smaller number. So when I looked at the betting odds. Uh, you know, there were different numbers throughout the sports books. Most of the sports books had uh, New Gardner uh, and Pillow up there as your favorites. Um, you know, at five to one, six to one, respectively. I can look at it right here. New Gardner at five to one at DraftKings, Pillow, co favorite at five to one, Award at six to one. Um, but I'm looking, like I just said, I'm looking for value. I'm looking for guys that can qualify well here that are going to have, uh, you know, if I can get it a big number. So the one that jumped off the page to me, uh, and there's, there's a little bit more going on here, is, is uh, you know, more than just the racing is Rossi 30 to one. Um, Rossi's a guy who's qualified well at this course. He's been fast at the past and both, uh, both, you know, pre pre screen and arrow packages. And then even in the, the recent car. So he's a guy that knows to get a, how to get around Detroit. Um, this is a tough race to handicap. I heard Tony mention it to you right before uh, I came on here. Crazy things happen here. Uh, this is not your typical street circuit. Usually in your street and roads courses, you know, your winner is going to come from that fast six, uh, the Firephone stats fast six. However, um, oh, the last two races, I believe, our winners came from 15th and 16th position. Erickson won from 16th, uh, and then, then the other winner was coming from back from 15th. So um, weird things happen in Detroit, but Rossi at 30 to 1, something that stuck out at me. Uh, that's a pre-qualifying bet uh, that, I, that I'll put and I'll make. Uh, and my hope is, is that he'll qualify in that Firestone Fast 6, and his line uh, will go from 30 to 1, probably down to 6 or 7 or something in the single digits. And I'm going to be sitting there. The goal is to be sitting there on Sunday with a 30 to 1 ticket. It, it's interesting, some of the names that that, that you spoke of, um, because I'm more on the uh, IndyCar uh, fantasy uh, side of things because there's some things – in betting that I'm probably gonna have to get with you with, cause I, I, I don't quite understand, but you talked about uh, some of the, uh, the favorites going in and it's funny because 
some of the people fantasy wise that I looked at, uh, you already rattled off there. Um, you know, a Pato Award, uh, Alex Pillow, uh, Joseph Newgarden, and then you talked about Rossi and him being at thirty to one. Uh, he's one of my five dark horses uh, in this in this race as well. So I found it interesting that on the the betting side of things, we're kind of in the same boat. I have favorites in the in the fantasy part, and the same people that I have fan the favorites at you you would put money on. Yeah, and look, it works the same way. Um, if you you know, while IndyCar is unfortunately not uh, in the quote unquote daily fantasy uh, community yet uh, with your DraftKings and your FanDuel, like F1 just became, um, I, I've been pushing for that. You know, I, I'm not a fan of IndyCar's fantasy product, just to just to, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if I'm going to do fantasy, you know, people do fantasy to win money. It's it's gambling. It's gambling with skill. Um, and DraftKings can offer a product. You know, I, I uh I'm not, I'm not a huge F1 fan. I follow F1. I sometimes bet F1 at the community's cross. Uh, but I've been having a ball playing F1 fantasy and DraftKings. Uh, made, you know, I put in a $5 entry and walked away with 200 bucks. Can't do that in IndyCar's game right now, um, you know, just by playing a little bit of game theory. But the fantasy and the betting do correlate. Uh, obviously, you have fantasy of your pricing. Um, and the pricing is usually correlated to the betting odds. So the most expensive drivers are usually going to be your betting faves. Um, that's what you would see if you had a uh, IndyCar fantasy game on DraftKings. Uh, works the same way with golf fantasy and F1 fantasy has been the same way. Obviously, like your your Verstappen's of the world, he's the highest priced driver, and it works the same way with the IndyCar fantasy game. So yeah, you're you're looking for your dark horses, you're looking for your thirty to one. So there is some definitely some correlations there in how you bet and how you look at betting. You know, your betting numbers. Um, you know, you want to bet numbers, not drivers, for the most part. But obviously, you need to do your research and know uh, you know who does well. All right, so so let's let, let's play a little game here. We we give you the pen over at uh, uh, indycar.com, their fantasy league. How do you change it to make it more fan and user friendly? <laughs> you sign a contract with DraftKings and and uh, FanDuel to be the fantasy partner of IndyCar, and you let them do their thing. You know they have the capital, they have the backing, they can put the money up. Uh, to me, that would be a huge huge win to grow the sport. Because uh, you're going to get eyes and people joining the, they're just going to, you know, your people that play fantasy football on DraftKings, you know, they're playing for millions of dollars every week. Um, and they're going to come over and they're, it's going to put eyes on any car that weren't on there before. And then the product will speak for itself. You know, I do believe, you know, any card is a great product. It's super competitive, uh, which makes the fantasy even better uh, when you, you, you really have, you know, these guys are all within a second top to bottom every week when it comes to qualifying, it makes betting really hard. Um, but uh, it would make fantasy even more competitive and you put up prize pools, but you know, that's, that would be, uh, that would be my dream. I hope they get there and they realize that, um, you know, if, if you want to make it, otherwise I'm not sure what more any car can do besides, you know, attach a little bit of prize money to, you know, create prize pools and mimic what you see on, on the fantasy sites. But, you know, ideally I'd love to see them partner with DraftKings or FanDuel sign a contract just what F1 just did. Um, the F, I've been watching the F1 contest lobbies. They're filling up. They've got thousands of people across the world uh, playing F1 fantasy on DraftKings for for big prize pools. I think the biggest prop was uh, about fifteen thousand people and five bucks, and top prize walked away with twenty five k. Now, do you see in, in in the future, you know, a year, two, three years away, that IndyCar would make a move uh, to partner not only obviously with Caesars like IMS did, 
uh, but either DraftKings or FanDuel or hell, even both? Yeah, look, I think it's the betting stuff is going to come first. Uh, the way sports wagering has blown up in the United States, it's legal. It's obviously legal in Indiana. Indiana is one of the top, I believe, eight states in the in the country as far as their betting handle. Um, so, you know, it's it's being legalized uh, state to state. There's, you know, politicians realize there's money to be made. And IndyCar hopefully is going to realize, you know, I think the betting partnerships will come first, which hopefully means we'll see, you know, more betting odds. Uh, you know, if you if you uh, watched uh, Tony and I talk on the Burnout Bets show, like the IndyCar, uh, the Indy 500 is, is the Indy betting sports betting Christmas, you know, you get all types of props. Um, I have, you know, it's always my favorite week because I, I make, frankly, you know, it's my favorite bets to make is, uh, you know, I had a big bet on uh, the winner coming from under nine and a half on the grid. Uh, that's, that's done me very well the last couple of years. Hit again this year, Erickson started uh, in the top five. So that was a win. And you get to bet on things like, you know, the number uh, odd or even on the car that won. I think I lost 10 bucks to Tony on that. Uh, you know, and you get to uh, you get to have lots of different prop bets and you get the bets early. You get a ton more matchups, uh, matchup bets or driver versus driver. You know, if you want to make money betting IndyCar, you, know, you want to stick to that. It's really hard uh, to pick a winner every week, um, but it's it's a lot better when you have a lot of top threes, top fives and matchup bets. All right, Mike, last two questions that I have first uh, last week. I know you put a little scratch down on the 500. Uh, how did you make out? I did great. I love the 500. The 500 usually is my most profitable race. Uh, and it's because there's just more, more time to make bets, more stuff to dive into. And if you follow, you know, the, the sports books don't get a ton of action in any car. And honestly, they're slow to react and they don't, uh, you know, you can get some good lines if you follow and you know what you're doing and you're paying attention to, you know, the practice times and the drive times and the, the practices and the carb day and everything leading up and what drivers are saying. So, uh, I had a great week. Uh, we uh, the bets have the bets I released on Burnout Bets, and and I put all my bets out on Twitter. Uh, so if you follow me at Indy Bet, I release a betting card uh, for every single race, so you can see exactly what I bet. And then on Sunday, I'll do a betting recap. Um, for instance, on the Indy card, the GP was a total. Uh, I made the pun; it was a washout for me. I had a big bet on Power. He looked looked great. He got the pole. I was in a great position, and then of course the storms came and and everything went to hell. But uh, the, the Indy 500 was a was a great race for me. I was undefeated on my matchups. Uh, I did a big fade of Jimmy Johnson. So when he put it in the wall late, I about jumped off my couch uh, because that meant every single Jimmy Johnson bet I had against him was a winner. Um, uh, it would have been great for me if Pat would have won. Uh, I had uh, Tony and I each decided we were going to fade Dixon just because I said based on the numbers. But uh, uh, an award was uh, one of my picks to win. And, and uh, when he pulled that, outside move on turn one i'm like come on man like uh, that would have been great um but i you know but i did have a war top three did have rosenquist top five and then like i said we did i did really well on the prop bets so i wish uh you know, hopefully we can see more of that uh for detroit here you're basically going to get uh your to win bets here and then on sunday morning you'll see win bets top three bets uh and the sportsbooks usually release anywhere between five to ten matchup bets of driver versus driver um, and that's what, uh, you know, that's, that's when you're really looking to see what's out there and make your bets usually a couple hours before the race. Uh, good stuff. I know, uh, we, we earlier, we talked about, uh, favorites and then, uh, you know, value picks. Who are some of the people, uh, just, uh, initially the lines coming out, who are some of the drivers that, uh, right now, uh, if you had to, uh, put your money down, you're going to try to stay away from. 
stay away from. So drivers that I'm probably fading uh, here is uh, Erickson. Uh, I know you guys talked about liking Erickson. Um, you know, I'm coming around on Erickson. He's, he's done very well in Detroit. He has good history. But after the whirlwind week that you've seen him go through up to any 500 hangover, uh, he doesn't qualify well here. You know, he frankly, he crashed on lap whatever one or two last year and won the race. It was a weird race. Um, you know, when have you ever seen a guy crash and win? Uh, so a lot of a lot of things had to fall his way uh, to get that win at Detroit. Uh, so he's going to be off the list. His not his line is way too low for me. Um, other guys, I'm probably not going to be uh, touching. Grosjean um, is not going to be on my list uh, as well. You know, I think he's gotten a little reckless. Um, I usually love the Harvey's a long shot I like uh, because he qualifies well, but I think he's just struggled uh, in the Ray Hall camp. So uh, I'm going to have to see some qualifying results out of him. But, yeah, those are the guys I'll be fading. Um, if I see a Jimmy Johnson matchup, uh, I will fade him. Uh, that's been very profitable for me is take anybody versus Jimmy. Um, so maybe you can get something like a Ferrucci versus Johnson. It all depends on what the sports books put out there. So, um the guys, like I said, I already had a bet on Rossi. The guys that I'm, I'm placing bets on, Rossi. Ray Hall, I think, is another interesting bet at 30 to 1. Uh, so I like him as well as other on the on the, the dark end of it. Uh, VK was a guy I liked in the 500, and I was feeling great about that for you know the first 20 laps. I thought VK was fast. He was another one of my big bets at the 500, but he's sitting there at 18 to 1. That's 18 to 1. If VK puts it in the top six, that those odds are going to fall all the way down to 5, 4, 3 to 1. Um, so I'll probably be looking at VK and then look, I'm a sucker for willpower. This race, uh, I have bad memories of Detroit last year. I had a nice big bet on willpower at 10 to one before qualifying. He puts it on the pole. He's got the race pretty much in the bag. And then the red flag comes out and his engine stalls. Uh, and that's how er now, another thing that fell Erickson's way, uh, you know, power should have won that race. Um, but that's betting that's gambling for you, but it made, it made that race, uh, quite fun. And, and uh, I think I might've been throwing stuff at the couch, but Hey, it was, it was a ton of fun. Uh, Mike, like I said, we, we have never spoken until now, but I, I think great minds think alike because my favorites, I have four Pato award, Alex Pillow, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power, my dark horses. And it's, it, it's interesting who you mentioned. I have Alexander Rossi, Graham Rahal, Marcus Erickson, Takuma Sato, Renus VK. And my fades are a little different. Uh, Scott Dixon, Colton Herta, uh, Scott McLaughlin, uh, Simon Pagano, Felix Rosenquist, and Connor Daly. Yeah, we're we're pretty much aligned uh, on there, uh, pretty much right on. So hey, you got to uh, sign up on one of those betting accounts and throw a couple bucks on those ones you like. Uh, you know, I always tell people uh, save a little money for you know because the worst thing you can do is uh, you know have somebody qualify poorly. Uh, so, you know, you, you maybe put about 10%, 25% of what your, what your bankroll is for the week pre-qualifying. Uh, it changes track to track, but like I mentioned, this is a tough one to handicap. I would wait to see what happens uh, after quals and then uh, take the other 75% of your bankroll and pick some matchups, pick a couple winners, make a betting card, and you'd be, you'd be stunned at how important the, uh, like uh, I was sweating the Ed Carpenter top 10 and when his engine went off, when they had read that red flag, like, you start paying attention to different things. More more parts of the race become important to you, uh, especially when you get those boring races when somebody just takes off. Uh, it's great if it's the guy you have a to win bet on, but you also are very much invested in your matchups and what's going on uh, elsewhere in the track. Yeah, and you you just basically made the point earlier that uh, you know the more uh, the more money you have in this, uh, the more invested you are. 
the uh, more excitement uh, that uh, that comes. But uh, Mike, again, for people that are interested in, in following you and, and following uh, your your bets on uh, on social media, uh, where can people do that at? Yeah, you see it on the screen there, at Indy underscore bet is my Twitter handle. Pretty much do everything through Twitter right now. Um, like we've talked about before, uh, we do a betting show at Burnout Bets, uh, which is Tony's company, Burnout Sports. It's a subsidiary of that. So uh, we'll tweet all that out and post all that. So, you know, we'll have, we'll probably have a show for Detroit, uh, either post or pre or post qualifying. So Burnout Sports, Burnout Bets, and then really everything is going to be on Indy underscore, Indy underscore bet. Awesome. Uh, Mike, again, huge thank you for carving a little bit of time out of your busy schedule uh, to uh, stop by and be guest number two here on uh, Push to Pass podcast. Again, huge thank you. And uh, we uh, will look forward to uh, uh, having you again. Uh, I'm trying to think what the next race is after uh, after Detroit. Is it? I- it's not Iowa, is it? Uh, I think it's Road America, maybe. I, I don't know. I, think, I don't know. I think you might be I right. That but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't either. But uh, we look forward to uh, having you back to handicap uh, the next race after Detroit. Again, huge thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Great time. Yep. Thank you. Go check uh, go check Mike out over there at uh, Indy uh, underscore Bet uh, when it's uh, time to uh, put some scratch down on uh, this weekend's race, the uh, Chevrolet uh, Detroit Grand Prix. Well, that about wraps it up for uh, Push to Pass uh, podcast episode number one. A huge thank you to everyone that uh, tuned in, uh, everyone that uh, chimed in. Uh, Also, huge thank you to both uh, Tony Donahue uh, for giving us insight uh, recapping the 500, uh, giving a little bit of insight to this weekend's race in Detroit. And then also another huge thank you out to Mike at Indy at Indy underscore bet. Uh, go check him out and uh, put some scratch down on the race this weekend. So uh, for Derek Vance of Push to Pass podcast, uh, that does it. Uh, look forward to the next uh, show, uh, which uh, we could potentially be doing this on Thursdays. We just have to wait and see uh, how things fall. But uh, until then, we will see you at the track and we will see you again down the road. Thank you.